Podcast. I'm Dan Marzen. I'm the founder of Redeem the Dream, and we're a youth outreach organization based out of New Albany, Indiana, and we actually stand in the gap for marginalized teens in our community and work very hard at making sure they become emotionally healthy and professional, successful adults. And we believe the foundation for both those things is a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the things that we've done for years now is what we call Hero Night, where actually once a month we invite someone in to give our kids examples of success. Instead of me teaching through the Word, we'll just bring someone in from all walks of life. We've had athletes, business people, ministry leaders, beauty queens, military generals, cancer survivors, you name it. We had them come and had so much great content over the years, but we never really recorded it or shared it with the world. And so here we are today. That's the purpose of this podcast, because we all know everybody's got a dream to redeem, baby. So uh, (laughs) we're going to be talking about issues pertaining to leadership and uh, what it means to bridge the marginalization gap. And so today's topic is actually a really important one and um, one that's kind of been something that I had some personal experience with as well, and that's loneliness in leadership. It's amazing to see how many leaders are are lonely these days. I, I found a a great article um, on coachingforleaders.com, and it says that uh, loneliness is famously cited as one of the biggest struggles of American presidents, even President Andrew Jackson, well known for his confident and angry temperament, complained of loneliness only after four months on the job. A Harvard Business Review reported in 2012 that more than half of CEOs report loneliness in their roles, and a majority of those found that negatively affected their performance. Today, a Google search for loneliness and leadership returns 832,000 results. Apparently, none of us are alone with that issue. It's often surprising uh, to leaders that those surrounded by them, by, by them, by them, most people, sorry, <laughs> president, CEOs, and business leaders often struggle with loneliness. Just because you're around others doesn't mean you can't be lonely. An MIT professor, Sherry Turkles, wrote a book, Alone Together, Advanced and New Hypothesis, even though we're all more connected than we've ever been. Many of us struggle with loneliness more than ever. Even if you dispute the hypothesis, few would argue that today's instant access through technology has negated loneliness. So I kind of want to lead in with that and introduce our first special guest on the show, Pastor, lead pastor Nate Ross. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> You're the man over at Northside Christian Church, and uh, it's, a, it's a large church, probably one of the largest churches in our area that has what about six thousand visitors now mm-hmm. on a weekly uh, basis, and uh, so you get to speak to six thousand people, plus the people listening in online, church online, mm-hmm. and so I thought that would be uh, make you the perfect person to talk to about this issue. And so I kind of let you have the floor, Nate, and kind of share if you had any experiences with loneliness and yeah. your seasons of leadership. Well, and thanks for uh, thanks for letting me be on the podcast as you redeem podcasting. Now with your first one here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, I, uh, I think this is a topic. You're right. It affects every leader, whether you're in the church or in the business sector or, uh, you know, where, wherever you, you find yourself leading, even leading in the home. Uh, you know, there, there can be a lot that's going on. Uh, you know, for me, I, I think that when I was thinking about uh, the, the loneliness of leadership, I think there's a, there's a sense in which people think that it's bad. Uh, the more I started reflecting on this, I think there is a unique loneliness to every leadership role because I think there's a, a, a uniqueness that every leader carries that no one else will know. And I was even thinking about this week, did a funeral for a 27-year-old who oh, passed wow. away. Bang. Pretty tragic situation. And uh, 
I'm writing in the hearse, you know, to the graveside and then riding back. And then, you know, when I'm back at the funeral home, I got to drive home. And there's a moment where I'm just carrying this emotional weight of I had to leave the service for a kid that I knew. I knew him in second grade when I was a senior in high school. Wow. And now I did his funeral. And there's a moment that it's just, it's hard. Nobody else did the funeral. Nobody else knows that. And nobody else carries that emotional weight. So I think that's the thing that some people don't realize is uh, it's not that loneliness, I feel like, is such the problem. It's that I don't think we realize there's a unique loneliness that every leader is going to carry. And the real question is, what do you do with your loneliness? Because I think we want to run from loneliness, uh, but it, it's not that you can run from it. It's that you got to have a plan of what you're going to do when it hits you. And uh, I was even thinking, you know, a couple of different things for me that that have really shaped what I do when I face those moments. And I had to tell uh, my wife Ruthie, I'm like, "Hey, I'm going to come home. I'm going to spend some time with the kids, and then I, like, I got to, I got to, I got to detox here for a second. Like, this is my." This is rattling my world. And um, you find this in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 14 where uh, the government kills John the Baptist, kills his cousin, kills the guy who started off his ministry, uh, kills the guy who you know baptized Jesus. And this is what it says, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. It said, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And it's like, that's a very lonely moment for Jesus. And it's not, will it be lonely in our leadership? It's what are we going to do in our loneliness? That is the difference. And I think that's part of, for us as pastors, that ends the career of pastors. It's not just that you got lonely. It's that you had no plan when the loneliness was setting in. And I think for a lot of us as leaders, we don't have a plan. And so when loneliness hits, it's a tailspin. And, uh, and then it compounds because it says this, uh, hearing of this, that Jesus went away, you know, privately said, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, which that's the last thing <laughs> you want to do is when you lose a family member, you see, you know, I'm sure Jesus is thinking about his own calling to go to the cross. His cousin's killed. He knows he's going to die. Uh, you see all these people, and a lot of times you want to run, but it says, uh, when he landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And I go, he would not be at a place of being able to have compassion and want to keep serving without having a plan of getting away with his father by himself uh, on a boat. You know, where uh, and I mean, everybody needs to have a boat, <laughs> but there's those moments that when leadership's lonely, we need to have some disciplines in our life that we go, I know what I'm going to, this is what I need to do. I'm hitting that lonely wall. I've got, I've got to, I've got to go here. I've got to do uh, these things. And I think it's important for your team to know this. You know, I think that way part of you, it doesn't matter the size of your organization. It could just be that you're running something out of your house and you're going, you need to let your spouse know, hey, I know I don't even have a team. I don't have this stuff, but here's the, here's the weight I'm carrying and I'm going to, I'm going to need some help here. You know, I'm going to need that. And and it's going, that was how Jesus was able to keep doing ministry. He, he wasn't just Superman. He was fully human. He had to go get away. He had to go be with his father. He had to 
rest, <laughs> you know, and, and go, let me get my heart right. Let me get my mind right. Let me go be with the Father, uh, the Spirit minister to me, and then go back and re-engage. And I think as, as pastors especially, because people are the, the church, people are, you know, making disciples of all nations. So it's like, well, when do you stop doing that? And it's like, well, Jesus did. <laughs> you know, there was time where he got away. Uh, but he got away so he could come back and re-engage. Um, and I just think I think we have to be aware of that. There is going to be a uniqueness to every leader, to loneliness, and that's okay. What are you doing, though, when that loneliness hits? And if you don't have a plan, that's when loneliness really hits hard. Mm-hmm. Because now it's you're lonely, you're tired, and if you don't have a plan, it's like, well, get back to work. It's like, uh-oh, now yeah. we're in trouble. Now we're in trouble. What, what do you do... There's a pretty large staff here at Northside. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, since you've been leading for a long time, do you recognize certain warning signs and in, in, in other people that may be working on staff that, hey, if there's certain patterns that you can kind of recognize, mm, yeah. you're, you're struggling emotionally, you're struggling in your leadership, and, and how do you address those things? That's got to be really tough, right, because it's people's not just their calling, but also their job. And yes. there's just all these different things to consider. And, you know, that puts... One of the big things, one of the big phrases we, we talk about is uh, you've got to lead with rest. Uh, you know, even for me, like I already have all my weekends off, marked off. I might not have plans exactly what I'm going to do for the, you know, on my weekends off, but I know this. I'm going to, like, those are either birthday weekends, those are anniversary weekends, and if you sit down, most of the time you can come up with a list of 10 or 12 or even 15 type items that you would want to celebrate throughout the year. Like just, I'm not, you don't need to take a day. <laughs> you know, just, I mean, just open your calendar, think about your life, think about some things. Uh, maybe it's, you know, for me, I love Notre Dame football. I don't get to do this right now because i got three young kids. But before it was like, I want to go to one game a year. You know, I'm not going to go to a bunch of games. I'm not going to do it. But it was like, before I had young kids, I'm like, one game a year. You know, and putting some of these things in place that re-energize me. And a lot, and I would never go by myself. It'd be my buddies I'd go meet with. You know, we'd go meet up and walk around the campus and just have a great time. And what, what we push with our staff is, as much as we're trying to grow the ministry, as much as we're trying to plan, you have to lead with rest because... Uh, there will always be more ministry. You know, you think in the business world, there's always new innovation that you can be doing. Matter of fact, I feel like a little bit, uh, I'm getting like disoriented because change is happening so fast uh, technologically and everything else that I'm like, oh my goodness, man. You know, and if I'm not careful, it's there's 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 too many ideas to run after compared to taking time to resting, reflecting, and then really leading into what God has. And so we talk about that all the time. So even like we'll give our staff like one weekend off a month. Uh, some staff, you know, it'll be a little bit uh, longer in between on that. But we're just going lead with rest, man. Which means if you do that, then you've got to build leaders, you know, uh, which prioritizes your time as the leader to invest in leaders. And it's like that, you know, or else everything just keeps revolving around you. And, and we go, man... That's what we have to do. We have to always be thinking about we've got to be uh, creating a culture where we're reproducing, we're raising more leaders up uh, to go after that. So those are just just some tip of the iceberg type things. 
uh, you know, we'll do some prayer retreats and different stuff like that. But one of our biggest things we'll say over and over again is, you got to leave with rest, man. Hey, I'm not seeing any time off. <laughs> like, you know, and just some bosses are like, good, don't take any time off, you know, and they, they praise it. And and really, that's how you, you end up losing your staff, man, yeah. is uh, rest is rest is a big deal. Uh, it's who, you know, it's how you're going to be, it's how you're going to get the best out of your staff if they are well rested. So you think loneliness and burnout are directly correlated in leadership? I in think so. sense, is that kind of... I, I think so. I think... And not, and it's not comparing one job's harder than the other. I think it's not uh, understanding who you are as a leader. So one of the things we introduce to our staff is, you know, it's not popular with us. It's popular with a lot of other people. So it's not unique. Or I mean, it's not unique to us. Is uh, the Enneagram test? Uh, it's a personality test. You know, it's like twelve bucks. You know, you can take online, and it just reveals a little bit more of who you are. Uh, it reveals some characteristics. It tells you. Uh, this is what this is what I love is uh, you know because you're not supposed to say somebody's a number you know there's nine numbers to it uh, so you're not trying to label them a number but when people do identify their primary kind of numbers it shows uh, when you're kind of redlining you know when you're getting unhealthy it shows where you go and what you do uh, of the unhealthy side of another number it, it, and so. I think part of it really, and if you're going to boil it down to one thing, is self-awareness. You know, uh, why a lot of people kind of burn out is there ends up being a lack of self-awareness that's saying, hey, this stuff's going on, these things are happening. Uh, and a lot of the problem is they're just not aware. You know, there's always, there's more work to be done. There's more things, you know. Uh, you're always entrepreneurial, so it's like there's new contacts, there's new things to go, there's new people to partner with. But there comes a self-awareness piece that goes, wait a second, if I'm acting like this or if I'm talking like this, I might not even know that I'm burning out because I've just never taken the time to know who I am. Uh, and now I know the Enneagrams help me understand this. There's healthy practices that when I'm really healthy, this is what I'm doing. A lot of it is uh, being in a learning culture. So I'm in cohorts all the time. I'm getting coached all the time. And there's sometimes there's like a, an expectation that when you're the leader, you're supposed to have it all figured out. And what I'm learning more and more, especially is, you know, just completing my first year being the lead pastor, it's like I'm, I'm learning more and more that what I, don't, what I don't know. And I'm like, I don't need to be embarrassed of that. That's the great opportunity to grow. And then what happens is I'm, so I'm getting coached, and as I'm getting, you know, uh, as I'm growing, I come back to my team fired up man like I come back not with just new initiatives but here's what I'm learning here's how I think this can get better what do you think because what I'm learning too is especially as the leader the number one thing that we can bring to our team is energy mm -hmm. you know when our you know when you're sending out the agenda ahead of time and people are sensing like oh dang like he's got vision she's got vision she you know he or she want you know wants to dive in on this and then it, whether you're meeting with the board or you're meeting with elders or you're meeting with just your you know sales team or whatever it is when they go they're coming in because then what you're doing is you're creating anticipation in your meeting and they're like hey man we're gonna get after it mm -hmm. you know and and it raises that up you know uh and you know i think the more too one of the disciplines i'm learning as a leader is uh nobody wants to start a meeting at a zero Nobody wants to walk in and go, all right, where are we at today? 
like let's start the meeting at a three or a four maybe a five you know yeah where people can go dude we're gonna we're gonna get after it but that takes you having time you doing the disciplines knowing what you need to do uh to be a healthy leader uh mm-hmm. to get after that so those are those are some things i'm learning man that awesome man in regards to uh what do you think, how does loneliness leadership manifest itself? Do you think just unhealthy behaviors, maybe people start to cope in unhealthy ways, maybe affairs start happening, maybe mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, yeah, all no. kinds of different stuff, you know? Um, yeah. How do you think it manifests itself? Like, how does it show? Yeah, uh, I think there becomes a... Just depression, I don't know. <clears throat> well, I think, uh, I, heard, I heard one uh, great uh, psychologist, named Dr. Walker, uh, and he helps pastors who burn out. Uh yeah. He was talking to our staff, and he was talking with us, and he said, uh, you know, you realize that affairs never uh, start sexually, but affairs start emotionally. They lead to sexual, but they're always emotional first. And he said, because what's happening is you're, you're lonely, uh, whether you're not getting the approval that you want maybe at home, Maybe you're not getting the approval from, you know, congregants if you're leading a church or, you know, uh, the board, you're, you know, you're busting it, but the board at your business or whatever, they just never tell you you're doing great. So there's always a sense of, I must not be great. And then somebody is like, hey, I just think you're great. And you're like, man, that feels good. You know, uh, and then we start running to whatever feels good, whether it's affirmation from people, it's alcohol, it's drugs, it's whatever. We, you know, even or more cash. You know, it's just like yeah. it doesn't have to be illegal stuff. We just start running to things that it begins to manifest where we're going. It, we want it. We want it to bring some sort of approval into our life, some sort of satisfaction, and uh, and we don't realize that. You know, we don't we don't realize the unhealthy look of that and it plays out and that's where self-awareness comes in you know where if we're not aware of that if we're not seeing these things uh, we end up doing more damage to our soul and to our company or to our church you know where when you wreck that place it it can be wrecked for a really long time you know and you were redlining for a long time you just you weren't aware of it wow awesome man so rest self-awareness learning culture and energy those are some good pointers in order to prevent those things yeah um are there some uh in practices you say just take regular time off for yeah i think i think the regular time off is big but like for me i get energized by being around people so it's not time off and sit there and do nothing there's a place for silence like i've got a place that i love to go it's kind of up in uh it's in a state park that's got a great view and love to be up there and make a fire and hang out I don't do it every week I don't even do it every month but it might be something quarterly that I'll do you know so there's a like alone time that I'll do on that but I know for me uh, I just I like to be around people and so I, I, I need the discipline and I'll even tell my spouse you know Ruthie she, you know she's more of an introvert uh, and so, but but she knows and she knows yeah I need to be around people and I'm not saying she doesn't give me energy we need to do stuff but then she also knows, yeah, go do your thing. And that way she can support me, you know, and instead of feeling like it's her versus my friends or something else, it's like, hey, she knows this is what fills my tank. We're communicating it. We're talking about it. 
uh, and then make it a priority. You know, I learned this uh, from Dr. Walker as well. He said, especially in pastors, uh, we think that self-care is selfish. You know, we say dumb phrases as pastors like, you know, uh, I'll rest when I'm dead. (laughs) Right, you know, and it's like, well, no, you'll rest when you get fired or you or you'll quit. You know, it's like then you'll then you'll rest, and it's like we just say some dumb things like that. And and part of it is we feel like if I do something for myself, especially pastors or uh, sometimes leaders who might be a little bit uh, maybe insecure, or whatever, we feel like self care is selfish. And we go, no, self care is actually stewardship, because if you're going to take care of yourself, that's a way to serve your team. And uh, and so it just comes down to priority. It comes down to communication. You know, if you're married, or if you're single, let's just prioritize. What what brings you life? You know, what is it that brings you joy? You know, for me being a Christian, it's like paying attention to what the Spirit does. Like, man, I'm always fired up by that. You know, or those things, and go, thank you, God. So I wanna I wanna repeat those things uh, in my life. But that those are just some things for me, discipline wise, that I have to sit down and go. You know, what do I need to do and when do I need to do it? What about accountability? Do you think accountability is important in preventing that? I've kind of seen in my own, like we started Redeem the Dream with 50 bucks and, you know, there's like we had nothing and no one's going to care more about your mission than you. Like probably yeah. no one cares more about Northside Christian Church than Nate Ross probably, yeah, yeah. you know. And so that kind of is like your baby. And um, I felt like early on for me it was really hard when volunteers would kind of drop the ball or like, what do you mean? You're just going to tell me five minutes before you're not going to pick up a kid? Or I'm like, ah, you know, and it just gets so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I felt like no one really understood me. Yeah. And I didn't really have anybody to talk about that with. And, yeah. and as we started having kids, my wife was less and less involved in the ministry. So when I came home, I couldn't really tell her and she'll just yeah. have some simple answer. I'm like, it's not that simple, you know? <laughs> well, like, just do this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll know exactly what to do. And, I'm, and yeah. it's just then it gets really frustrating. And I think that's where... I know in my leadership, I started to feel a little bit lonely and I started seeing some unhealthy tendencies. And I was like, whoa, you know, I need to maybe take some time to fast and just pray and, you know, seek God, you know, to make sure my ways are on point, you know. Um, And uh, now I got weekly accountability with a friend that I can share those things with. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine not having that. So um, can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, no, I think it's good that you're doing that. I know uh, for me, there's a... uh, there's a personal side where just there's a heart side of accountability. And uh, uh, Bob Goff, who's an author, he said it uh, great. Because sometimes people can have, they can set up accountability and just lie their way through. <laughs> like, you know, have you looked at this? Have you done this? No, no. Okay, great. See you next week. You know, and uh, you just check the boxes. But he said, uh, don't ask somebody to hold you accountable. Uh, ask him to hold you close. Wow, that's deep right there. You know, is because holding somebody close is is different than just asking some questions all the time. You know, of are you doing this? Are you not doing this? Or and uh, but for me, something I do monthly. And uh, there's I, I got two other buddies who have transitioned to taking over their churches uh, in the last year. And the second Wednesday of every month. Uh, one lives in Portland. One lives in Las Vegas. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Oh, sweet! I graduated yeah. from high school there. There you in go. Portland. There you go. <laughs> and uh, uh, we we just have an hour phone call. And what's cool about it is uh, there's no agenda other than tell me what's on your heart. 
and what's what's neat is both of these guys are are smarter than me. <laughs> uh, but uh, what's so nice about it is it's voices from outside the organization. And I think as leaders, sometimes we look for either accountability or some of those things from voices inside. And really the learning, for me at least, comes from talking with people outside the organization. Not that people within the organization can't make us better. I believe that. But like exactly what we said, hey, this is happening, this is happening. You know, and, and it's unique. Well, someone who's leading a, a ministry or an organization like you if they're getting to hear it, they're hearing it without any emotion. They don't know that volunteer who bailed at the last second. They don't know that kid who you've done this and this and this and this for, and you know this is the 15th time. So they're not hearing or feeling any emotion. So they could maybe speak with a little bit less feeling and a little bit more just either strategic clarity or organizational clarity. And when you get some outside voices around you, that you trust you just it's not just about outside you know people who you know are for you I'm finding for me that's making a big difference because they're either affirming some things that I'm like hey this is what I'm thinking they're like totally man or it's like hey I'm wondering about this you're like they're going yeah I would probably do this and this first before I would do that you know and they they got no they have nothing to lose so that you know they they can say whatever they want and and they're not worried you know, they're just given their best wisdom and insight. And that's what I'm finding is the more I can surround myself with some people who love me and are for me uh, but are willing to speak truth to me, that is where I'm finding. And then, again, I leave those meetings all fired up, man. You know, because it's, again, I'm, I feel that these guys are making me better as a leader. I'm making that a priority. And then I'm coming back to my team either more confident or, hey, some of these guys raised these questions. What do you all think? You know, And then the team might have wanted to ask those questions, but you know, they might have been afraid to or something, and these guys weren't afraid to say it. So I'm just finding getting the right outside voices around me uh, and around our leadership. It helps our loneliness, uh, but it, it helps our hearts, uh, I think, more than, than even just loneliness, you know, just to talk with people who care for us. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, man. I we're just about getting ready to start a second location up in Anderson. Yeah, A Town, A Town. Wow, I was up there last weekend speaking and meeting the team that wants to start doing some stuff. And it reminds you a lot of the West End of Louisville. I had no idea Anderson had yeah so many areas that have so much need in that community. Yeah. So I'm pretty stoked. But I have a mentor out there too, and um, I mean, I'm just all one of those like drivers let's go let's go let's go you know and uh, let's raise up this team they don't even know who I am but they're gonna do x y and z and we need this we need that and he said whoa you know to prevent them from getting lonely and falling off after a couple months you can't go from vision to programming to management you have to go from vision to relationship to programming to management and man that that he just we just had this conversation today and that was like man that is so good so he's like let's just build some relationships first and then identify those things and so uh Outside voices, you know, um, yes. to that point. So it's so important to to have that and to build those relationships because uh, one of the things he was saying was um, people need to be not just with you, but they need to be for you. Mm. And they're not going to be for you until they know you, you yeah. know, people that hold you close. And those yes. are the people that are going to stick around yeah. for years. Yeah. 
And I was like, my gosh, man, that makes so much sense. Because I'm seeing that in our volunteer base right now, too, the people that have been around for years, mm-hmm. and I did this unintentionally without even knowing it, I build relationships with these people outside of Redeem the Dream yeah. many times before they even came. Yeah. So we already had these relationships. And then people that just kind of like showed up out of nowhere that I didn't know, it's just a couple months and then they're gone. Yeah. So it's almost like you can't just treat this like uh, like recruiting for a job, you know, having some recruiting event. It's like those relationships are just... Not, and the hardest part with relationships is they take time. Yeah. And as a leader, uh, you know, even in the book, you know, kind of one of the biggest, you know, manifesto books on leading change by John Cotter, you know, he talks about you got to create a sense of urgency. You know, you have a sense of urgency. We got to, we got to, we got to reach these kids, man. They're at risk. You know, things going on. There's a, there's a heightened sense of urgency. And any leader who's really going to lead change or lead into something new, you got to have that sense of urgency. Uh, but sometimes it is at the sacrifice of relationship. I, I, this was really the other passage that has brought me a ton of peace is, uh, you, you know, you said it with relationship, but, you know, you talk about loneliness and leadership. Jesus is facing these things that no one else is facing. You know, he heals a guy in John chapter 5, and, uh, and because, uh, because he's doing the Father's work, it said, for this reason, the, Drew, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. <laughs> you talk about being lonely, man, and singled <laughs> out. You know, it's like you're doing what God's called you to do, and that makes people want to put a hit on your life. And, uh, and listen to the answer that he gave them. I, he said, in verse 19, he said, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then he says this, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. And I, did, I, I loved just hearing that because I went, you, you talk about relationship. Jesus went, I, I, don't, I don't do, you know, I, I do nothing by myself. As a leader, I think that's what leads to loneliness a lot of times is the sense of it's all up to me. And Jesus says it. I mean, he is our Savior. He is our hope. And he goes, I do nothing by myself. (laughs) Everything is in this relationship context with the Father. And then he's so confident about that. And then he's also so confident about the idea that the Father loves me. And I think that is a lot of the problem of the loneliness in our leadership, it's not that there won't, you know, it's not that there won't be loneliness. It's do you know that you're loved by the Father in your loneliness? And that's a different way to lead. Because in that moment of being lonely, it's like, yeah, dude, people might not want me here. People might be against me. But man, I do nothing by myself uh, for the Father loves me. And it's like, again, I just, I look at this and I go, Jesus paints the, the picture for us on how we lead in the midst of being lonely. Uh, and it's in the context of relationship, like you said. It's just we never get away from that. Never That's funny. As you were saying that, one thing that kind of came to mind, too, is that you think maybe loneliness and leadership might also be an issue of a false identity or a messed up yes. identity. Like if you're saying everything's up to me, yes. that means something with your identity is messed up. Maybe you're not, you know, I am what I do as opposed yes. to, I am a child of God. Yeah. I am what I do. I am the ministry that I lead or how many people show up on 
whatever it is that you identify with. You know, a lot of athletes have those issues where it's like they have a bad game and then they're just like so down on themselves because yeah. their identity is just yeah. I am this. I am what I do, and that's just or your sales number. You didn't yeah. hit last year's number. You didn't hit last quarter's number, and so you lose confidence or joy of who you are. You know, I know you're aware of that book, Emotionally Healthy Leader. Yeah, love by that Pete book. Cazero, he, he talks about the difference between doing things for God and doing things with God. And I think even if, you know, even if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're listening to this, it's like there's a shadow in which we'll operate, whether it's from our past or even something, an expectation we put on ourselves. I know for me, the shadow that I would operate from is if you worked hard, then everything will work out. And if things aren't working out, just work harder. And there comes a point in time where you go, no, like that, that, that isn't always the equation. That isn't always how things go. And I think part of that is recognizing those things and going some emotional intelligence, some EQ in this, that uh, we got to be aware of this stuff uh, because it, it, it takes, you know, it begins to take over our mind. It begins to define, like what you said, who we think we are. And if we're, if we're not doing well at work, then, then we're a failure. And then everything is seen through that lens. And uh, that, that's what leads to a lot of loneliness. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like we said, an improper view of ourselves or an improper view of how God sees us uh, will lead to that. I'm only as good as my last sermon. Right. <laughs> well... What if your last sermon was terrible, man? You know, it's like, you know, and then now you have to live a whole week trying to get back to the pulpit. What a terrible week. You know, we're loved by the Father. We have grace. Yeah. You know, it's like live by that grace more than your performance. That's awesome, man. We went over a bunch of really good stuff, man, here. (laughs) So uh, let's kind of summarize some of these points up. So what what I heard you say is that, Loneliness and leadership, it manifests itself in, in a lack of identity, a wrong sense of identity, and then in, you just start to be unhealthy, whether it's yeah. an affair, whether it's depression, yeah. um, whether, you know, burnout, all those different things. Yeah. And a way to prevent that is through rest, self-awareness, creating a learning culture, bringing some energy, yeah. and having people that are not just with you, but are for you. Yeah. And if you're leading that way, then you're going to lead the people you lead that way. Yeah. And the people you're leading have a much better chance of not falling into loneliness and leadership and being healthy leaders. Does the that kind of sum it up? I think it does. <laughs> and I, like, no, I think, I think you, you nailed it. The more that you're aware of your own loneliness and you're taking steps as a leader, you're going to recognize loneliness in your team. And you're going to want to go, hey, something ain't right. Let's talk about that. How can I help you? How can I serve you? And when when the boss can recognize that and speak into his, I mean, that's what I want for my elders. But they would pay, they'd pay attention to me, going, "You don't seem right, man. You okay? You know." And that's what we want from our leader. But it starts with us, man. We got to recognize what are our own triggers, what are our own faults within our own loneliness. Allow Jesus to speak into that, and then we can speak into our team and help our team. Man, yeah. So it's so important to be emotionally healthy as a leader. The higher you rise in leadership the more emotionally healthy you got to be to be effective. I think I read somewhere, the higher you lead, the higher level your leadership, the more it becomes about people and less about tasks. Yeah. 
You know, like if you just want a promotion, you just work hard, you're, you, you, you do all these things great. But if you're starting to manage people and lead people, it becomes way more about people. And if you're not emotionally healthy, you're just going to mess up everything, including yourself. Totally. And um, fall into that whole pit. So thank you, Nate, so much. I think you learned a bunch of great things from the man, Nate the Great, a.k.a. right here, my boy. Redeeming <laughs> podcast one at a time. I know, that's right. <laughs> Man, thank you so much. And this uh, concludes the first ever Redeem the Dream podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to that bad boy. We're going to have a lot of awesome guests on here. Um, We'll probably pump one out every two weeks. And uh, it's going to be amazing. Thank you very much. God bless you all. Bye-bye.